right, so welcome to the C Roller and McDole channel. Um, we got a special guest named Richard McDole. C Roller, you got anything you want to talk about today? I got a couple of topics. One that's on the top of my mind right now. What would you do with a million dollars? What would I do with a million dollars? Basically pay off all debt, make sure taxes are taken out, then invest some money, then just not having to work. For me, this is actually a little bit more of a different topic because like one million is me basically being set. But above that, I would invest it into like my passion and my dreams. What if you lose money in your passion and dreams? Uh, that's why I would have to have more than a million. <laughs> that is because like the one million will get me like a house, a, a nice house paid for, no loan. Not not a mansion. Just a I nice said, house. A, yeah, yeah, a nice house and like a, a car that'll last me for a while, and then the ability to hopefully. Keep up, keep up to date with it, and pay any like taxes and bills and stuff. You have an idea of what car it is? Your dream car that say that will last forever. Uh, I don't think there's a car that will last forever. Yes, there is. <laughs> as long as maintenance and everything is taking care of the car, it should last you forever. Can you name one car that would? Uh, the only thing I can think of is a DeLorean, stainless steel body. You know what I would say? I say the Toyota Helix. I don't know, Richard. What, you, what would you do with a million dollars? Well, first of all, I'd probably get me a couple of accountants. I'd have one accountant look, checking out the other accountant. Then what I would do is I'd look at uh, what I had to pay in taxes and have that uh, set off to the side. Most of the time, they'll take out your uh, state tax and federal tax, but some places you might have to pay a local tax, be county or city, depending on where you live at. So you have to kind of watch that so it doesn't come back and bite you in the hind end. The reason I'd have two accountants, one is to do my books, and the other one to make sure that they're not embezzling. Really? Yeah. They do that? There's been people that's embezzled. Uh, that guy that has uh, Family Feud, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Harvey? Steve Harvey. He was uh, giving, writing checks to his accountant who was supposed to be paying his taxes. And the guy wasn't sending the checks into the IRS net. Instead, he was taking money out of his account and saying he was whatever Steve Harvey wrote that check for. That's the money that I would draw out, his account would draw out. So you have to kind of watch that. You know, when there's money dealing with big bucks, people anything. Try to and people try Right. Yeah, I've definitely heard that when you, uh, when you get a lot of money like that, particularly with the lottery, a lot of people come out of the woodworks looking for hand-me-downs, too. Right. I mean, not only do you have to worry worry about people that handling your money and embezzling it, but you also have to worry about, like, your other family members and friends trying to come at you looking for some cash. Right. Looking for easy street. Yeah, I and I agree with you on that. You know, that's... But, you know, like I said before, I would... After I cash a check, the first thing I would do is I would put it in a private funds, you know, where nobody can touch it and then do, have um, it set up that way. Do like a lot of big saying. banks have that um kind of account where you can actually make a special account where you have so much amount of money that you can't touch for a certain amount of years? Yeah, you can. Well, it's not really like that. It's just that you can have an account set up where, you know, it, it draws interest in that. And if you take money out of that account, 
you have to pay a penalty, sort of like a 401k. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You know, uh, it's usually a five-year guaranteed interest or it's a 10-year guaranteed interest. I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that whole 401k thing because I did wanted to talk about the origins of 401k first starting out when Social Security was failing at the time, right? No. It wasn't failing? No. But the government borrowed a lot of money on that Social Security. And that's yeah, there, there's there's rumors about that. About uh, uh, So let's talk about that. I want to hear what your perspective is on that. Well, first of all, you got to understand how the 401k came about. And what it came, how it came about was during the Depression, the Great Depression that my father lived in, people had vested money into... Uh, Social Security. No, no. They invested... Social Security wasn't around yet. Uh-huh. What they were doing is they were invested in stocks and stuff like that. And then when everything crashed, you know, people lost a lot of money. People committed suicide. And uh, so a lot of people that was born during that time or went through that quit putting money into the stock market. So when so, you quit putting money in the stock market? No, they individual people. Oh, individual. Okay. I thought you were you talking know, about people. You know, like me and you, you know. We quit, we quit doing that. And so what happened was in the 80s, they came up with this ideal, which was under Ronald Reagan, of having a 401k, you know, and that's what they called it. And what they did was it was to take that 401k money, invest it in the stocks, stocks and bonds. And that's why your 401k builds up a percentage of, like, it works, right. it works on stock. So right. Not when, always. Not because, always, but when Social Security came out, when did Social Security come out? Social Security came out in the 30s. It was under uh, uh, FDR. So Franklin the, way, the way Social Security works is not a percentage. It's what you put into it, and it just saves it up for you, right? Right. And you got to remember one thing about Social Security right. is what you put into Social Security, your employer has to match that dollar for dollar. Okay, so let me ask you this one about Social Security, all right? So how come people that get Social Security and never had to put money into it? No, that doesn't work that way. You have, uh, if you ever uh, called Social Security up or wrote, so, uh, looked on the website and get yourself a uh, sort of like, you know, account. You have an account with Social Security. You can get on the Social Security website. You can sign in and you can check and see how much money you put in. No, I'm saying like. No, no, listen. Right. So once you put that money in, you get retirement points for the years that you work you get retirement now what you're probably talking about is people who goes on disability yeah social security social security disability you know and those people they don't make as much as somebody who retires but usually it's for people like your brother's kid vincent right he's not going to function but that's, and then there's also abuse with it. But all that comes out of your Social Security funds. A lot of people don't realize that. That comes out of the Social Security funds. See, Roller, you got anything to say about that one? Not really. I don't have anything to add on that one. I mean, I was going to mention. Pre, he was pretty in-depth about that one. I was going to mention that people could abuse it, but you already covered that one. Right. Yeah, he was really in-depth about Social Security. So. Let's talk about used cars. How the price of used cars went up, but then you, when you look at new car dealerships, you don't really see vehicles out in the parking lot. Let's see what caused that. I would say it's probably a lot to do with just uh, a lot of it is probably inflation. 
then the fact that companies can charge higher prices just in general with that excuse that I don't know for sure. I disagree with thoughts? you. I think what it is, a lot of used car dealerships are being greedy and hungry and they know that they can sell these vehicles when people are in need of those vehicles. So they will set the prices higher than what it actually is because when you go to like a new car dealership, there's nothing there in the parking lot, something that you might not want. So you're forced to go to a used car dealership and they're like, oh, we got it. We got an SUV that you want, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And they sucker people into doing the whole buy here, pay here scam. I mean, I guess the supply and demand does factor into it. If yes. there's not as many options in the new mar- in the new car market because of the shortages in the industry, that would factor into it. We got for us, Richard. Well, I say the reason that, first of all, you know, when you trade a car in, you want your car to get a new car, right? They'll take a little bit of money off your, you're not really getting what your car is worth from a turn it in. So if a car dealership can make money off that car, they're going to keep that car. If they can't make the money or it costs, you know, there's a lot of maintenance problems with it, they sell it to a used car lot. Yep, I knew that one. So what happens is actually, you know, you think you're getting a good deal and you're not. And another thing is when you go to a used car dealer, more than likely you can't get a loan of some kind. You got finance problems. So, and I think the reason that you don't see the vehicles on the lots is they're being sold to used car dealers. And if you look at, even in our town, my town I live in, if you look at that one over there by Ace Hardware, there's a dealership there, and they got all kinds yeah, of Yeah, they got like a whole booming selection of cars. No right. matter what brand it is, they got it. But then when you go to like a Ford, Chrysler, yeah. Dodge, because it, it's not empty. It's not feasible for them to take and put new brakes on and, you know, They're spending the money get, the, then. get the money that they want to get out of it. Because their mechanics, it's going to cost, are charging a lot more than what the mechanic at a used car dealer. A lot of used car dealers, they do their own work. So that's that's my opinion. I mean, along with that, like used car dealerships also have like exclusive access to the banks that they set you up with. And those banks also, they have a higher interest rate because they, as you right. said, as you said, they know that if you're going to use car, that you can't afford a new car, most likely. Right. Which means they're gonna, higher. which means you're gonna have a hard time with that getting that loan. So they're gonna charge you a higher interest rate. So it's gonna be more regardless. So you think a lot of these big car comp or car dealerships, they set it up where these used car uh, used car dealers made more money. Well, they're they're gonna want what they they want for the car. Well, I know a lot of a lot of but, car dealerships have a used car lot that they that they're in partnership with. Right. So why is it that when you see like a privately owned used car dealer having more cars than what an actual dealership would have? They probably made a deal with that dealership to get some of the cars. Right. Well, and another thing is, too, that when you go to those used car dealerships, you don't get the history of the vehicle like you do. Yeah, that's true. That is true. You know, usually you'll get a history of the car when uh, you buy, you know, a semi you know, not that old of a vehicle, you know, that you'll get like uh, how many oil changes it's had. Has it ever had any suspension problems? You know, and usually you car get accident. all that, you get all that information. But yeah. when, when you go to a used car dealer, they very rarely, they don't have the history of the vehicle. There's a couple of factors that go into that. And one, one of them is just the paperwork involved in tracking all that down. But the other thing is, is 
a lot of people turning their cars in. Like, if you're getting off a lease, you have to take your car in for oil changes. Right. And they want you to take it into their dealerships. So if it's right off a lease and you're getting off of a new car dealer, right, you're, you're going to have all that information. But a used car lot, a lot of people don't keep track of that if they went when and where they did the oil change. So they're bringing it in. That dealership doesn't even have a clue if they even change the oil in that car. Well, I agree with you on some of it. And other parts I don't because the fact of it is most people who goes and buys a new car, usually about two or three years later, they're buying another car. And they usually go through their dealership to do their maintenance on their cars. So the they got that on their computer. They're, they're uh, not in all cases. You no, know. I, I, mean, I know it's a lot of people well, that that's, do. That's kind of why I was going with the lease thing is usually yeah, – most a lot people of people are opting more for leases than actually owning. Right. Yeah, that's why I was going with Usually that. that's people who drives a lot of miles, though. They go for the lease, you know, it- which it makes sense. I mean, if I if I put a lot of miles on my car, I go I go with the lease program. Yeah, but don't the lease, they say you only got so many miles, though, right? Yeah, but there, there's also there, there's a charge you get. I know there's a charge you get if you go over that, but I don't think it's enough to really worry about. Yeah. I mean, it's just a little bit more on your payments at the end of the day. So let's talk about this. People that do lease, are they the people that wants a brand new car every time the lease is up and they don't drive as much and they, or they drive a lot of miles? From my experience, a lot of the people that are on leases are the people who just don't want to work on their own cars because they just want to get a car Take and, it in okay. and then get a new car and then take it in, let the dealership do it, get a new car. And the lease works out fine for that. Can I can I ask you something though? How do these dealerships make money off the leases? What if the person decide they want to buy it after the lease? They charge extra money selling uh, it to them? Yeah, they charge they charge you what the car is worth. Probably more than what the car is worth, I yeah, believe. I would say. Because they'll charge you for the lease the entire time and then they'll charge you what the car is worth at the point of sale then, but it's what they think the car is worth, which is probably a higher estimate yeah. than what it's probably worth. Well, um, when, I, when I bought my car, my car was a lease car. It was leased to uh, a Cali. When I, we paid for it, we paid, uh, you know, it was two years old when we got it. I'm sure I paid more for that car. Than, than what it was actually the, worth, like right. MSRP sale. But because of the low mileage that it had on it, because when I bought it, it only had 20,000 miles on it. But if you look at what I got on it now, and I bought that back in 2016, I only got 60,000 miles on it. But you barely drive, man, huh? Right. So, I mean, you know, to me, it can't, and I still had uh, the warranty, you know, from uh, the manufacturer when I got it. Still had the manufacturer warranty. Did you get an extended warranty on that too? Or? Yes, I put an extended warranty on Because nothing worse than you're paying for a vehicle <laughs> and you can't drive it. <laughs> oh, man. And the luck is that when the warranty runs out, that's when the parts are going to fail on you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you see my point on that. I mean, yeah, and you know, and I got I got a vehicle that was in good shape. I didn't have to worry about it because I had the extended warranty. And you know, and I I think a lease is good. Most people that do lease, I agree with what you say, but also a lot of business people lease cars. I that's that I, I guess true. I probably wouldn't have thought of that because I'm not I don't, I'm not true. around I'm not around that many business people typically. Right. But 
That is a good point. A lot of business people probably would lease. That is true. I didn't think that's why that I works. brought up, you know, about mine being, you know, that the college had leased it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that one. That was that was good. That was a good point. Yeah. That was a really good point. It started in eighteen twelve. Actually started before that. Actually, what happened was the, the way the War of eighteen twelve got started was we had uh, American ships that were being pulled over by the British, and they were taking uh, sailors off of the boats and putting them into their navy. By them doing that, that kind of got the Americans kind of riled up. Then you have the nationalists, you know, the the Americans who thought that. You know, if we went to war, because we was having Indian troubles also. You probably heard of uh, uh, the Falling Timbers. Yep. Yeah, you know, heard that it, one. It's located up around uh, Toledo there. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we had that. Tecumseh was going around getting things started, and the Brits were supporting them. When they go, they would uh, uh, hit the settlers here, and that kind of... With that, with the, the problems with the Indians and with what was being done at sea kind of caused us to go into that, that war. Since we went into that war, a lot of people thought, a lot of Americans thought, we could annex Canada. And that if you notice that, you probably maybe, if you read a little bit into it, it, they talk about how, you know, Americans had invaded, you know, up there to uh, Niagara Falls. That, that, that is like a... Highly protected area at this point. Yeah, and that's why they were shelling us. Because if you look at Niagara Falls, the Canadian side is higher than what the American side was, and they could put actually could put cannonballs right into the fort of the American fort. You know? oh, that's strategic. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not hear about that in any kind of school. But anyway, that, that's how. And I mean, there were some skirmishes that we had sent troops into Canada, and the Canadians fought us. Actually, the Canadians whipped our ass. They actually had done that. I think the only big battle we ever had that we actually won, the Battle of New Orleans, where, you know, Andrew Jackson fought off the, you know, the Brits uh, there in New Orleans. So the Brits were working with But that was actually after the signing of the the papers to uh, end the war. So there was a battle that after, you know. After 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 the signing of it, when the war war was over, there was an art battle afterwards. Was that because they didn't have the communication? Right. Okay. How many how many times in history have this happened? It happened in Civil War too, hasn't it? What's that? Where battles? Yeah, where a battle would happen after. Yeah, I assume there probably is. I don't know of any. Speaking of wars. Well, I'm curious as to what your opinion on the uh, war in Ukraine is. And do you so, think do you think we should be helping Ukraine or not? Yes, we should help them, but not have any American boots on the ground. Unless something really massive happened where Russia completely go against all laws in the you know world, like using nuclear weapons, chemical weapons. Then, yeah, that is the final point. We cannot withstand it. We got to send troops in. Well, speaking of nuclear weapons, I do remember that we actually asked Ukraine to get rid of them. Yeah, that for, was back in the... Yeah. For protection, and yet we're not protecting them right now. I wanted to put something out there because that started out with the Clinton administration, I think it was. And when you're promising a country to be part of NATO and you tell them to get rid of all your nuclear weapons and one day you'll be part of NATO, but do not go by your word. I think that's messed up. My opinion is I, I say that we should support them. We should give them whatever they need to fight the battle. 
I don't think we should fight it for them for the fact of it is, is that if we get drawn into it, where we would end up having to send troops to fight the Russians and that, we're probably looking at World War Three. I know the Polish are up all up. Uh, all about, you know, going in there. Well, you can understand it, you know, because, I mean, that, you know, their country was leveled at one time, you know, during World War Two. you know. If you knew anything about history that you read in school, man, they talked about how the Germans and the Russians had a pact, and they were they split Poland in half. Afterwards, after they conquered Poland, then that's what drove uh, Germany into war with Russia. They attacked the Russians. Now, as going back to your story about you know how we promised that they got rid of their nuclear weapons and stuff like that, one of the reasons you got to remember why they didn't join NATO, why we didn't let them in NATO was their government was corrupt prior before we, you know the the new president took over their government was corrupt who's pre- who's uh who's the president at that time in america uh obama oh it was obama i thought it was Clinton. yeah you got to remember a lot of this stuff led up into you know 2014 where they were where russia attacked them again and annexed those two uh areas but th- there was corruption in the government. There was no doubt about it. And, you know, and that was one of the reasons why they weren't brought into NATO yet is because of that. So prior, before Russia invaded Ukraine, do you think they were they should have been allowed into NATO before Russia invaded? I think they, they didn't seem like they were corrupted. At the time. I think personally, I think that we wouldn't be in a mess if they were in NATO. I, I do believe that they, they did deserve the right to, because they did show that they were progressing. Yeah, they, they did yeah. deserve that they should have been made of. But that's just my personal opinion, but right. other people might have more detailed information on why they weren't brought into NATO. Let me ask you this one, C-Roller. Will Russia actually be 100% secede in taking over Ukraine? I don't see it happening. I also think there's a lot more at play here than just them invading Ukraine, because there's a lot of stuff that's going on that just doesn't quite add up it's like their initial attack just seemed absolutely like it confuses me because it, like, like his troops didn't even know what they were doing at the time well because a lot of their generals were sniped no one of the reasons that they did they had uh logistic problems and they were fighting with the tactics of uh you know like for example they, they you know it was brought up by i was watching where you know they have ground communications with uh flight you know with jets and that pinpointing their targets and stuff like that russian wasn't russia wasn't doing those kind of things no they're just like they were just trying to they, you know uh it was sort of like like the germans fault blitzkrieg yeah to me it seems like more of a uh, blitzkrieg type of tactic Thank you guys for watching the podcast with C-Roller and McDowell and special guest Richard McDowell. Have a good one. Also, follow us on TikTok. TikTok. Follow (laughs) us on TikTok.